Okay, uh, hello everyone. Welcome to episode three of Mooncast. Uh, I've got Tom on the phone, which is exciting. Um, hello. We haven't spoken for a while, have we? No, we we used to uh, chat a bit more often, but I don't. We've a lot of illness going around in January and um, and heavy work schedules for all of us. So um, no, it's good to catch up with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we message each other a fair bit, but we haven't spoken for a while, so it's nice to chat again and. Um, Today we're going to have a talk about, uh, well, it's my favourite faction, which is why I've chosen it first, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is uh, which is the fairies. I think I think they're, um, I think they are quite a popular. It feels like they're, they're, they're a faction in terms of the look, at least. They're our best sellers, so um, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I mean, I, I, you know, you're, you're the one that sees all the sales on the shop, but I just remember at the Games Expo, they were the one that people were like, oh, that's exciting. Yeah, they were the ones that drew people in quite a lot draw people in because there's no other I, I've, I'm yet to find another game that has fairy miniatures I've seen one or two sparse fairies in other games but they're they're pretty unique so I think that's why we get so much attention yeah. but, but also fairies in this kind of incarnation that kind of spiteful actually slightly not well, not evil because I, mean, I, know, I know the background on them and they're not really evil but um, pretty spiteful and bitter uh, yeah, definitely. All all the rest of the races in Moonstone get on quite well, you know, comparatively well. You know, they might have slight prejudices, but they they generally cohabit. Um, apart from the fairies, who just think that they're better than everyone else and stick in their yeah. forests. But I told my yeah. girlfriend actually we was going to be doing a podcast on uh, playing with fairies, <laughs> and she thought that was quite amusing. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's undertones there, isn't there? Yeah. yeah, how to play with fairies is the title. So yeah, but no, I'm I'm excited about this because I really like them too. They were they were the last factions rules that I wrote, and I do think that every time I uh, write new characters, I I write them better. So. Of yeah. the stuff that's currently available and launched, I think they've got the most interesting um, character cards. Um, but there's some really cool new stuff coming in future, which is even better. But maybe we'll talk about that at the end. Yeah, yeah, no, we definitely talk about that at the end. I mean, obviously, I, I know what some of the um, cool new fairies are coming, and they are very exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, the fairies, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about Mike's uh, sort of starting, because like when I. Um, First looked at the Kickstarter, like I said, it was the fairies that made me want to want to buy into it. Um, I like the look of the whole game anyway, but it was when it was when I saw the the artwork for the fairies, I was like, oh man, they look awesome. Um, and that was literally what persuaded me to to, to back it in the first place. Um, yeah, I'm really happy with them. I'm happy with the way the miniatures came out as well. The I really really made my caster's life difficult by pushing the boundaries on on making them as sort of small and fragile as I could. Um, I wanted them to have that kind of dainty kind of look about them, but then I didn't want them to be really pathetic, tiny little miniatures on the table. So we added a lot of those scenic bases. And, you know, basically the fencer is a giant tree with a small fairy hanging yeah. off one of the branches <laughs> as a miniature. Yeah, but it does work really well. Yeah, um, I think so too. It, it does. It does work really well. I think. Like, like I think. I, I think. Um, you said it in a different in, in the in the games lounge podcast that you did that 
the fairies were always going to be small, but you couldn't just stick them on a base by themselves because they would just look far too tiny. Yeah. Um, exactly. Giving them that, giving them, giving them those scenic bits is what made the difference. And um, again, it's one of those things. Whenever I, I mean, the, the demo days and things that I've done, when I've shown people the, the models, they they look at the fairies and go, "Oh my, cool! They, they they come like a cool scenic base of the trees." Like, yeah, they do. And that, again, that's another thing that immediately hooks people in. If yeah. they see that there's a tree, there's a cool looking tree on their base, and like, oh wow, that's cool. I think it's we might different. actually at some point go ahead and make a range of resin trees because we get so many compliments on the scenic bases for the fairies. I was thinking mm, maybe there's maybe there's a line of uh, of resin trees that we could produce for Moonstone in the future. Well, you know what? It's actually quite hard to buy decent scale trees. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we got, we're going off topic here. We, yeah, we, we are. Um, but anyway, okay, back to fairies. <laughs> cool. Anyway, so I'll just, yeah. Um, well, uh, what I'll do, and then I'll talk to what we're going to talk about today is Tom's going to start by giving a bit of background on the fairies. I think that'd be good if you do just give us a bit of a the lowdown on how you came up with them and, and everything. And then we're going to go through talking about the individual fairies and then how they work together. Yeah, um, sure. And sure, it's uh, and um, so Tom will talk about obviously his design of them. I'll talk about my because they they've been ever since I got them from the Kickstarter in Wave Two. They've been my main faction. I've played with very little else actually since um since since I got my fairies. So I played with them a fair bit. Um, so I'll talk about how I played with them, and you can talk about how you played with them. Sounds um, good. and we'll just have a bit of a chat about it. I think. Um, so yeah, to start with, and then and, oh, yeah, and at the end we'll talk. Uh, if if you want to talk about the new fairies, if you want to leak some new fairy yeah. stuff, yeah, sure, yeah, I would. That sounds good. Awesome. Well, do you want to go ahead and start then? Talk I about will. The yeah, I won't. I'll, I'm conscious that I can ramble on for a long time, and I want to get into the the discussion on the tactics on the individual fairy. So I won't talk too much about the creation process. Other than um, to say that when I first suggested to people that I was going to add fairies to uh, my new uh, fantasy skirmish game, I got a lot of resistance. People saying, oh, God, that, that sounds terrible. And then they've turned out <laughs> probably the most popular <laughs> race by quite some way. Um, and then they were inspired by... Um, some fairies that appeared in Magic the Gathering's uh, Lorwyn uh, expansion set, which is ages old now, but it's a, it was a kind of a whimsical fantasy fairy tale uh, Magic the Gathering set, and, and it had fairies in, and they were spiteful, vicious little bastards, and I thought, oh, this is great. <laughs> and they were and they were difficult to play as well, like in terms of, you know, being kind of complicated and multi-layered, and, and I, I thought that was wicked. And I thought, that's how fairies should be in a fantasy game. So that was kind of the, in a nutshell, how they came to be. Um, well, I, 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 well I, I never, I've never played Magic the Gathering. Um, or, or, or as people would have heard in the... Um, First episode of this of this podcast, pretty much or most of my experience pre Moonstone was basically usually Warhammer based games and Guild Ball. So I've not actually ever played before again, kind of oh, before wow. Moonstone, never played a card a card based game. Apart from like I played board games and things, but never played Magic yeah, the Gathering. I mean, it's a great Alaska, it's a, it's a huge game. I, I 
I've really enjoyed playing Magic and plenty of board games over the years. And, and I wanted to feed a lot of those kind of um, mechanics and ideas and, and different kinds of creative uh, into Moonstone, which I think it's got the balance that's basically exactly right for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I obviously agree. You know, I've made it pretty clear on various different places that Moonstone is by far my favourite. Well, I always say that it's by far my favourite skirmish game because um, I wouldn't. There's no point in comparing Moonstone to you know Warhammer 40k because um, <laughs> they're very different games. They're completely different ways of playing. I mean, the only thing they have in common is that they have models and need to play them on tabletop. Apart from that, they're completely different. So I don't see the point in comparing them to that. But I've played plenty of other skirmish games, and Moonstone is my favourite of the skirmish games I've played. Cool. Um, and yeah. people are—I don't want to get too off track—but people are really enjoying it. Every time we run demos and things, people are getting pretty much instantly hooked. So that's good to see. Yeah, with the demos that I've done, I've done a fair few demos. Obviously, the ones that they're. Um, games Expo, but also I've run what three demo three demo days I think in my local club and also the two tournaments and yeah everyone who's come and played a demo has been like I want to buy some of this. No one left said oh it's, you know, it's only it's only been good. So cool. Um, anyway, should we right, so, about yeah, individual so, Well, what I was thinking of uh, doing before we go into the individual fairies was just giving general comments on playing with fairies because they're very different to say playing with humans if you've got the data set and you've and you've tried humans and uh and and goblins they're a lot more forgiving than the fairies um the fairies um you would probably need to get a few games under your belt to really understand sort of how moonstone works before before they start to shine one thing that's interesting about them is they can't really claim territory in the same way as as all the other races. I mean, humans, because they've got quite strong passive abilities, can surge forward and stand next to moonstones, guarding them, kind of claiming that centre ground. Um, goblins can do it quite well uh, with their long-ranged on... Um, Seasick and Doug, yeah, yeah. They, can, they can kind of guard Moonstones. And the gnomes love clumping up and are at their strongest when they're tightly packed. So all the other races can, can do a much better job of basically just running forwards without a plan, whereas fairies really do need a plan. They've got um, quite short-ranged abilities as well. You'll notice a lot of their... Um, spells are six inches that's kind of their default which is a little yeah, bit awkward for, for the, them yeah all, all the all the aggressive spells are all maximum six it's only the um a couple of friendly spells like he, healing and range that uh, and rage that have got eight inch ranges isn't it that's right so so they have to get what seems like dangerously close to pull off any of their cool stuff um, and basically what all of this means is they've got tons and tons and tons of energy that, you know, five is the average, um, five energy. Um, so reaction steps really are your friend when you're playing as fairies. And so is the um, go for it rule where you draw an extra um, card in melee, uh, two cards in melee. 
Now, to do those things, the reason reaction steps are, are really good is because they're not really very hard hitters and you'll probably want to back away if somebody who's better at fighting comes in close to you. And um, the reason why the go-for-its are great is because most of the fairies have got really good defensive signature moves that get them out of trouble that they yeah. uh, may or may not draw organically. So it's it's always great like to leave some energy on your fairies, particularly the fairies that activate early on in the turn. You want to hold a couple of energy on them, which might seem a bit wasteful. Um, and that kind of activation order is, is a really interesting thing. Other factions, particularly humans, tend to always want to go first. You kind of want to get into the position um, next to some moonstones or be the first one to make the melee attack. Furries generally want to activate last because they want to react to the opponent and use their energy on their defensive abilities and their reaction steps to get to keep themselves safe and then kind of at the end of the turn then do the stuff that they want to do um yeah. which is a little bit um counterintuitive to players let's say that have come from guild ball where getting to go first is is like super important um yeah yeah you don't always want to go first with fairies and if you're doing the role well you rarely do to be honest you almost always want to go second and have the final activation of the turn one of the things which is worth remembering if you are setting up with fairies, when you do the roll-off at the start of the game to choose table edge or choose um, the initiative bonus, um, it's almost always worth taking the table edge if you win the roll-off because most other people are going to use their initiative bonus to go first each turn, which is going to play straight into your hands anyway. So, yeah, always worth basically uh, taking the table edge because they do struggle a little bit with picking up moonstones even though they've got tons of energy being all weaklings they're nowhere near as good at, as goblins are at, at grabbing moonstones and 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 scarpering they they kind of um they want to grab a few then perhaps wait for the opponent to pick up a few and then kill the ones that have picked up the more difficult stones and steal them off them in, interestingly, talking about because I, I actually lost you for a little bit there, so I hope you kept recording it okay because my internet dropped off a second there. Yeah. But, um, what I think is really interesting, what we said earlier, is uh, whenever I done the roll off, particularly, well, obviously my, my main opponent is is Jack, but um, played a few other people as well. Whenever we do the roll off, I always, no matter who I'm playing with, pick deployment zone and not pick to go first. I think um, it depends how evenly the stones are spread. If they're really, really even, then I normally go for the initiative bonus. Um, but if they're uneven, uh, but not too uneven, then I'll take the table edge. If they're really uneven, you normally do a mulligan. So, but I think with fairies, I would just always take the table edge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when we started playing, I used to pick to go first because, again, like you said, coming from Guild Ball, that was always what was strongest. And and actually, in 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 most strongest things to do, so you get used to doing that. Um, but even actually, even I think with not so much humans possibly, but even with because I when we first got the starter set, um, I played mainly goblins and Jack played mainly humans. 
And um, I think with Goblins, it's often better to go second. Um, I, think, I think it's good to go second more often than people realise. Particularly if you've got um, arcane damage-dealing arcane abilities, getting that last activation of the turn is super valuable because if you can fire... Let's say you save. Let's say you are playing humans who normally do like to go first, um, but you go second, and you've got flintlock and you've uh, used quack to boost his yeah. um, arcane up to five, and you've used Eric to get him up to four energy so he can fire twice. Being able to slam two shots into your choice of enemy on yeah, yeah on the very last activation of the turn means they're going to go into... They've got no chance of healing them. They can go into the next turn, perhaps um, having suffered start, maybe, yeah. maybe yeah, like yeah. five wounds, and it's probably reduced their energy by two or three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So e even if they just immediately heal them beginning of the first turn, well, next turn, for start, that means they're wasting their healer, but it also yeah. still comes I mean, and, they, and, and the other thing is it puts pressure on people to use their healer early because you exactly. you generally want to use your healer as late in the turn as you can to see who the best option is um if you if you stick a load of wounds on someone um at the end of the turn from a ranged attack they're going to probably activate their healer straight away at the start of the turn to clear the yeah. wounds off them, which means that they basically now don't have a healer for the turn. So it, yeah, it's I think not it, always yeah. obvious which is the right way to go. Yeah, I think probably possibly the only exception would be would be uh, humans, cause, just because they have more healers. Um, yeah. Well, Commonwealth, I suppose, I should say, because you can mix them into, into gnomes as well. I think that actually the example... If you use about Flintlock as example, the best example of a, of the damage dealer in in fairies is probably Diana um, from range, because if you can get a couple of horrifying visions off, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I mean, I've killed vicious midget in one go, yeah, in, in one activation before. Um, I've killed uh, fancy hat before by again activating Diana at the end, doing about five wounds with horrifying visions, and, and then winning the roll off activating our first and next round and just killing him yeah um, i mean and he, and he started on full health and and he had like he was holding a moonstone as well and it was just one of the most horrific things jack had ever experienced i mean goblins can goblins and humans uh are really vulnerable to magical damage um yeah. they've got a lot of um uh, passive abilities that say non-magical damage you know reduce non-magical yeah. damage which fairies just blast straight through. And people yeah. like the Vicious Midget and Fancy Hat don't have very many wounds. They rely on their plate armour as their defence. So being able to get straight through it is, is pretty devastating. Fairies do struggle a lot more uh, with gnomes because gnomes don't have... Gnome um, def defensive abilities tend to uh, defend against magic just as well as every other kind of attack. Yeah, it, interestingly, the, the, the last game I played against Jack, um, which I think we recorded and put on the channel, I can't remember, um, he, we swapped and he used my fairies and I used his gnomes. Um, it was the first time either of us had used those factions before. Um, and he basically went for the, I think you talked about it, kind of almost like the, the, the pacifist almost style of playing. He just did not let me get into combat with him at all. <laughs> yeah. 
he he did he did really well actually. I was quite quite an impressive technique that I didn't think about using myself. Is he used all his energy on both fence and wasp in turn one to just charge them straight up the up the board. Yeah. Um, and the problem was I had like three moonstones ready for my deployment, and they were all quite high. So I had to immediately apart from with um uh what's his face the minor guy Morris yeah. Uh, we just dug up the one that was four, obviously one. I then had to use my energy just, just to pick up these moonstones right in front of me. And he'd run up and got these two that just stood wasp and penta next to these two in the middle. So where we had like one. So you then immediately pick those up and then use all the energy and just keep backing off. Um I eventually got into combat, but um but I can only get one person in really. Yeah. And actually I, I've never charged up you just use all my energy turn one to just race them up the at the board before because as you say you normally don't want to do that you don't um, but and, and we'll get onto it in in more detail but um whereas i said that they can't really hold territory wasp is pretty good at holding territory because he's got a yes. two inch melee range so so one of the vulnerabilities if you've only got a one inch melee range is that you've used all your your energy up and then somebody with a two inch melee is going to wander up to you and be able to hit you without you being able to deal damage in return so his his two inch range both covers more stones he's very tanky for a a he's absolutely brutal um and and he is if you're playing straight up fairies i like to throw in boulder for this purpose as well but if you're playing straight up fairies he's definitely the one you want in the middle like where the moonstones are yeah no i I, yeah when i've yeah, whenever I, I always take him in the middle because I think he's the scariest one to face against. And also just, and we'll get on to him a bit more when we talk about him as an individual, but like you said, he can deal damage pretty well. He can, and yeah, he can. And, and he, the fact he that is, his um, signature move is a defensive ability, but deal a lot of damage is, is it, horrible. It deals <laughs> a lot of damage as well. He, he's he's easy to underestimate as a, as a melee character i mean he is a guard like his character is isn't the kind of i'll fight anyone kind of um fancy hat style or you know he he parks himself places and says like come at me bro because yeah we'll we'll get onto him in a a bit more detail in a minute but things like his buckler ability people can't count critical hits means that even when heavy hitters do come in people like fancy hat rely a lot on um critical hits and he he can basically halve the amount of incoming damage from the best fighters in the game which is again like there's a, a bunch of reasons why he's great at just holding that center ground where no one else can do it yeah because at the moment there's, there's only a, i think correct me if i'm wrong because obviously you know them um there's only two characters at the moment who ignore passive abilities um with uh, some kind of move and that's fencer Who's probably not going to be hitting Wasp that often unless you're in a tournament? Yeah. And, and Vicious Midget, who frankly I would never take against fairies because he'll just get destroyed by their magical abilities so quickly. Um, the, the ignore passive abilities. There's a few others. Um, Morris ignores passive abilities, um, so he would get through the buckler. Okay, I don't know. I don't know um, the names as well. There are, there are a few. Those are the ones I can think of at the moment, but. Yeah, the ones off the top of my head I could think of were, like I say, with Vicious Midget and um, and Fencer. But, um, and obviously, you know, Wasp is 
at risk of some other um, things anyway. You know, he's still, he's still only got six health. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about what we get to. Yeah. Should, we, should we start? No, yeah, yeah. Let's, who do you want to start with? Well, I'm, I'm, I've left, like I said, I, before we started this, I said, I've got a book in front of me, so I'm just going to start at the first person in the book, oh. um, which is, which is which actually is, I'm quite glad I'll start with this one, because it's one of the more interesting ones for me, which is Tito, because yeah. I didn't use her at all to start with, because I just didn't know what to do with her, and I couldn't yeah. know what to do. And it wasn't until I spoke to you at the Games Expo that you helped me understand just how ridiculously good she is. <laughs> she is ridiculously good. Yeah. Um, I mean, to recap, she's got six energy, which is amazing. Um, yeah. It's the highest of anyone in the game. She, She's a harvester. She is, like, you win Moonstone by having the most Moonstones, and she is literally the best fairy at digging up Moonstones, and she's hands down the best character in the entire game holding on to them once she's, hold, once she's got them. Yeah. By, by miles. She's got virtually nothing in the way of uh, damage dealing, um, but that's fine. You don't, as long as you you know what she's there for. It's very easy when you're putting together a, a troop to just look at damage output potential and and pass her by. But um, let, let's go through some of her. I mean, this she doesn't have. She's a fairly simple card. She's got uh, weakling like all fairies do. She's uh, got an enchanted dagger, so her damage is magical. Can be occasionally useful. I have seen her put a few points of damage on um, on goblins and humans with their with their generally uh, they generally suffer from magical damage. Um, but it, it's not really the point of her. Arcane reflection means that if anybody uh, this is, she is a classic case of someone who you want to activate as late as you can. Yeah. Activation order is so important for fairies, but um, she really does want to activate late, but you're going to probably want to pick up stones with her as well, so you, that might require you to get in there quickly before someone else has guarded them. So it's always a difficult one choosing when to activate her, but if once she's already got a couple of stones, you just want to make sure that she's one of the last ones to activate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons is the arcane reflection. Don't get to use this ability very often because people know that she's got it and so they don't really target her with arcane abilities. She's already got a vague... Which is kind of the point of it, isn't it? It, yeah. it, isn't, it, isn't, really, it isn't really an ability that's designed to be used because no one will be stupid enough to do it on it. But it means that they don't do anything to her. Yeah, as long as she's got energy on her. Um, if anyone tries to shoot her, they're getting that bullet straight back in their own face. Yeah. Um, and even if she has already activated and has used up all of her energy, she's still got evade two, so she's still very resilient. To it's pretty hard to hit in the first place with it. Really hard. I mean, you need I mean, to unless you're Graddock with with um snare traps yeah or um or something like fire spitter that's got arcane five or you know there's a, a handful but the vast majority of shooters in moonstone have arcane three yeah and they're drawing one card they're basically flipping the top card they have to get really lucky there's no bluffing when you've only got one arcane card you're just yeah. no because because your, your opponent yeah. will always call bluff so because so, 
So she, um, she's kind of invulnerable to most ranged attacks. And then she's also kind of invulnerable to uh, most melee attacks as well. Because yeah, she's, well, she's still a melee four, so she's not... Yeah. You know, she's still a few cards. It's not like she's like like a sort of wizard is drawing melee too, you know, she's, she's still got four, and with six energy, like you say, if she's got energy on her, it's quite easy to get up to six cards. Exactly. And with six cards, your chances of drawing that can't hit me, which reduces all melee damage to zero, is really high. Like, yeah. I through some sort of online calculator, but we're like 85% well, or something like that chance of, of people yeah. not being able to hurt her in melee. So... Yeah. She's kind of disgustingly good <laughs> and, and, and underplayed at the moment. And then um, just to, to kind of like finish off the front of the card, she's got Vigor so she can self-heal, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, if she's taken wounds and she's off uh, on the flanks, you know, dealing with like Moonstone harvesting or whatever, she can just um, heal herself up. And misdirection can occasionally be really useful. One of the things, like, because I've said, a lot of other troops will guard moonstones. They'll stand next to them so that you can't get to them. Her misdirection, you can't harvest them when you're engaged. So her misdirection to move a target enemy three inches is one of the ways that fairies can get at the stones, basically. You wait for someone who's... um, who's moved in to guard a stone and has used all of their energy and they've already activated, and then use Tito to make them step away from the stone. Um, and you use your last activation of the turn, let's say, to swoop in and pick it up with a different character. So that can be useful. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, she's an... Ind- and, and when you look at the front of a card, I think, well, why has she got Arcane 5 for? Well, actually, that that, that means it's because I'm guessing, like with Arcane Reflection, um, it's as if she has the ability, isn't it? Yeah, so that's right. If someone was, I guess, stupid enough to shoot Flintlock at her, then she's using Arcane Five to fire back at them. Correct. Um, which kind of gives them, like, if she only had Arcane like two, you might think, well, I don't know, you still wouldn't cast on her anyway, but I don't know. I so, yeah. Somehow, she's got Arcane Fire means you, you, you kind of notice it even more that how um, scary Arcane Reflection would be if someone actually did it to her. Um, yeah, she doesn't unfortunately get to use it very often. But... <laughs> well, no, I guess you know, because no one, like I said, no, no one's ever going to hit her with it, are they? Because there's no reason why you, you, you'd just not cast ability at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but then again, like I said, that that's kind of what it's not. I don't know. You look at the it's not an ability that's supposed to be played. Um, it's an ability that's, that that makes her. It's just, just right. Yeah, right. it's just really really hard to kill. Um, yeah. So like I said, I I didn't use her at all to start with again because I just couldn't. I couldn't see her, and it wasn't until it completely clicked straight away. And again, like I said, it was at the games expo where you just said. Yeah, but once she's got a moonstone, no one can get it off her. So, oh yeah, <laughs> and that's, that's the, point of the game. Um, but I think we'll move on to the next character, and then we'll so, do a bit of a chat about how they all. So, um, next one's Fencer, um, oh. which is another one who actually I also didn't quite see the value of. Straight what? Away. I know, I know, I know. Well, the reason it is is because um, I didn't. The reason I didn't think I thought I was. I always thought she was. Good, you know, melee six and everything is great. Um, 
is because I didn't tweak. It wasn't it wasn't until Jack played with Fencer that I we both realised that um, her signature uh, needlepoint uh, damage not affected by passabilities was her own passability as well. Yeah, I didn't. That did not tweak at all. But actually, that means that she's not that she's not a weakling when she's used it. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. so suddenly we looked at it. It's like, oh god, <laughs> that makes her amazing. Um, you know, with melee six, if she's you know if she's the attacker at eight, if she tries to draw a couple of cards. She's on ten cards. She's probably going to get thrust. Going to get that off. It does loads of damage against everything. And then suddenly she was she's, incredibly scary. She's absolutely obscene. She's probably, yeah. in my opinion, the best melee character in the whole game. Really. Uh, yeah, I, I really think that, and and I know that you you were asking the other day about um uh, about uh, goblin fairy uh, mixed race builds, um and I I my immediate thought was to put the fencer in with goblins because she's just a beast <laughs> in melee. She's so good. She's such a murder machine. Um, well, also she, she 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 doesn't particularly need. Other fairies around? No, there. she doesn't. Because other fairies, like like, um, I think it's uh, there's a couple of other fairies that say you know, when a friendly fairy yeah. does. Um, but Fenta doesn't have anything like that, so she doesn't need friendly fairies around her. She needs someone that might heal her, but most healing spells just say um, friendly. friendly yeah. So, um, in fact, yeah. they don't even say friendly because if you're playing in a um, multiplayer game, sometimes you can um, heal one of your opponents um, as a favour because they might help you yeah. out in some other way. But well, yeah, interesting ability, interesting idea. Um, but yeah, uh, so to look through the front of a card, like yeah, weakling, same as every other fairy. Although I think it is actually less relevant with her, given. Yeah. Needlepoint. Um, the only thing with it is, it does mean that her thrust is somewhat predictable because you know she really wants to pull off her signature move more so than practically any other character. But it's counterbalanced by the fact that her signature move does at least one point of damage against every other attack and it's unreducible. So she's always going to get damaged if she does a thrust. And it's also because she got spiteful as well. If she has suffered wound previously in combat because they played sweeping cart and hit her back again, she's going to get something back anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's only one wound, that's enough to just keep her alive. Um, yeah. But, totally. um, yeah. So, so swift is extremely useful. Um, yeah. When making reaction step whilst engaged by an enemy, you may move two inches. This obviously gets her out of trouble if it's a fight that she doesn't want to be involved in. Although I have seen it, people use it kind of craftily to to leap her forwards as well. <laughs> um, you kind of like uh, at the start of the turn, if somebody has moved in to engage her, you use her two-inch reaction step to kind of like sort of step past them to try and get deeper. All oh, right. Use it. My immediate thought about that is, if seasick or Doug just sit three inches from her, she can go and engage them. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Because then, especially if she's minus two against piercing damage, that's particularly horrible for seasick. 
because his yeah. ability is piercing. So it takes that damage off him. Yeah, um, and, and obviously like, you know, the, the reason why that Volta minus two to piercing is so useful is um, she loves to play her signature move, which is a thrust. And obviously she would be very vulnerable to a counter thrust because the thrust versus thrust is three damage. Yeah. But to her, and the on the thrust, the damage type is only piercing. To her, she's like, nah, it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Using it by minus two. And, and like you say, this, the spike falls great because um, she almost always does damage with her melee attacks, which means she almost always restores wound every time she does a melee attack. So she's, she's pretty awesome. Her enfeeble... I don't always use it because quite often uh, it's more valuable to um, get those three extra melee attacks. But where it's really good is if you're going up against someone like Gotchgut that's got plus two damage uh, across the board. Um, or, or anyone that's got, you know, or Fritz or someone who's got a high static damage and you still want to fight them. It can allow you to fight people more safely. Basically, so um, when I played, like I said, when I played against Jack and he was using Terry, he used it against um, young Jack, which worked really well because he was my only melee character I had like up near anyone. Uh, so I, I got young Jack into a really good position where he was, when he activated next, he was going to be able to get into combat with someone and probably help do some damage. And Jack just enfeebled him. I was like, oh, crap. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember enfeebling and also uh, using uh, Clumsy Klutz on Baron Von Fancy Hat and getting him down to, like, minus five damage. <laughs> and then all the fairies piled in and, and took a pot at him once in a game. So, yeah, so, yeah that can be useful. But she's great. She's one of the um, fairies I, I would probably never not bring, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think she... She probably would be for me. Um, it's harder the fairies. I think I do find it. And actually, I'll, I'll get on to we'll get on to later to the one or well, there's actually only one particular ring um, now because I, I like I, said, I used to not include Tito, and I used to taking Fencer, but now I find it very hard not to bring her. Um, but we We'll, we'll talk about builds, I think, after talking about the individual, yeah, maybe. sounds good. <laughs> Too many times, which you already have plenty already. <laughs> um, right, we'll move on to uh, Freya, then. So, Freya. Um... I mean, Freya, if you're just using pure fairies, is definitely an auto-include. Yeah. She's... Because, because she's a healer, so... For the time yeah. being, there's there's another fairy healer. <laughs> yes, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Lost, but for the time being, you, you you have to have a healer in any troop of you know Moonstone. There's definitely some tactics in. Do I want one healer or two healers in uh, Commonwealth builds? But you know, in in fairy, yeah, you, yeah definitely. She she's the thing is, I often find you know, I'm like, oh, this is an auto include. Oh, this is an auto include. Oh, this one's an auto include. <laughs> and you're like. Aha, I've only got six. Like which one? Yeah, yeah, which one don't definitely. I bring? Um, but it's quite hard. She, we, we, we're going to get we're going to get even harder with the next lot coming. Yeah, I no. mean at the moment with only with, with the number of models there are, it's 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 a bit easier. But yeah, I mean I, I know what a lot of stuff's coming is, and yeah, it's going to be really it's going to be much harder to do troops. 
or not, not much harder. It's just just sport for choice. It'll be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot more variety rather than it just being uh, humans versus fairies. It's going to be much more complicated in the future, but in a good way. Yeah, definitely. But, definitely. But back back to Freya. Um, she's a great healer. She's arcane five, and she's got five energy, so she can do her healing twice. She yeah. when she activates, she can clear most of the wounds off her entire troop as long as yeah. she's healthy yeah. herself. Yeah, uh, also because yeah, because her troops, because those don't have a lot of wounds, if they've only suffered three or four, then she could probably heal them. Yeah. Exactly. And um and and also trickster. So trickster's a ability that I I'm gonna put on a few more characters in future. It, uh, uh, it, it really, really messes with people's heads massively. So basically, if you um, if you bluff, there's a few abilities on the fairies that encourage you to bluff. If you bluff, um, you get to do the uh, and and you reveal that you just bluffed. Uh, you get the effect. Uh, so let's say she's doing a fizzle pop. And she does, and she declares that she's got two pink, and she's got five cards in hand. You're probably going to go, yeah, that's fine. She yeah. can go, uh, ha ha ha! I was, you know, I was bluffing. That uh, was a, it was a green card or whatever. She gets to do that two damage that she declared, and then gets to the ability all over again for free. Yeah. So you can, you know, you can use it with healing. Uh, but you you're less likely to because she can already heal pretty well even without r relying on this. But with the fizzle pop, she's underestimated for the fizzle pop. You almost always people take her as a healer and and use the healing ability and and don't look at her other abilities all that much. But if you use trickster in combination with fizzle pop, I mean we played a game uh, at was it UK Games Expo. Um, where uh, we were just warming up at the start of the day and I was playing goblins and you were playing fairies and you were repeatedly slamming me with these fizzle pops. Yeah, it was great fun. <laughs> yeah, and they get straight through the, the goblin armour. I was using goblins. And they push you back an inch. So so I was walking up to Moonstones to guard them and then you were reacting by fizzle popping me quite a few times and knocking me back a few inches so that they were you know available for you to grab or forcing me to waste my jog next turn to get back into base contact with them yeah definitely yeah, yeah basically yeah which i think was the main impact in i remember that game because i remember me being hilarious with all the fizzle pops um, <laughs> but yeah it was like you had dug up next to a moon saying oh next time i'll be able to dig it up no you're not i'm gonna push you just 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 far <laughs> enough off it so you think oh, you know you're like Oh, and then next time I can jog around the other side, and then I can. No, you got to jog just where you are. <laughs> yeah, just... so irritating. <laughs> but it was exactly, you know, it was perfect play. To be honest, she did really well. But with this, the thing is, like, she is a great healer, and a lot of the time you're gonna save her for her healing. But those fizzle pops can be great, particularly if you've got her along with. Um, Butterfingers, because he's also got Fizzle Pop. They're both on Arcane 5. They can both do it twice without any extra energy. And um, putting an extra energy on, on them so that they can do it three times is definitely 
a viable option. So, so you can basically hit the same target in theory with uh, four or five fizzle pops. So it's only X damage, uh, but if you hit someone five times with, you know, five X magical damage, that's really nasty. Um, yeah, it's probably going to kill them. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, I'm going back to Trickster. What you can do is. Um, you can basically train your opponent. So the first time you do a fizzle pop, even if you've got a pink card in hand, I mean, if you've got a pink three, you might as well use it and say it's pink three. But let's say you've only got a pink one in your hand, you might as well bluff and say you've got a pink two. Because with five cards, it's quite believable. And there's always the threat that you've got extra cards in hand and they'll probably let you have that. So you get the extra damage from... Uh, saying that it was a two when really the best you could have played was a one. Then you get a whole new uh, hand of cards and you can do it all over again. So you'll probably now genuinely have a two or, or whatever and, and play that. You can get like four damage through. But the most important thing is you've just trained your opponent to think that you're a liar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and this is where it's like playing the head games that you can do with fairies is so, so interesting. Once your opponent thinks you're a liar, they're now going to start calling you calling bluffs out. So later on in the game, you might call a, um, a pink two on your fizzle pop when you do have a pink two. And they're going to say... Whereas they would have normally just gone, yeah, that's fine. Now they're going to call you a bluff, and then you can put down your pink one and do extra damage. Then does that make sense? It's quite a yeah, weird it's ability to use. Yeah, it yeah, no, absolutely. It's like a complete mind game. Do you think? Well, if you if you've not bluffed, you get the ability. But if you've if you've bluffed and I call it, and you've not bluffed, and it, it makes me have to think about it so much more. Yeah, and um, if you're the kind of you know, I. I demo the game and I see quite a lot of people who who have quite a lot of skill actually in the way that they uh, play their arcane cards to um, act like they're nervous or act like they're confident or whatever. If you're the kind of person who likes playing those kind of mind games with arcane, then yeah. Freya is brilliant because that trickster will just literally mess with everybody's head um, and you can you can, like I say, train people and then punish them for it and then flip back again and you can have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, yeah, it's quite interesting actually. Um, the, the other person that I played quite a lot with, um, uh, this guy called Ryan, he came to the tournament. Um, mm. he, he said his, his favourite part of the game is the arcane bit, which is interesting because for most people it's the melee. Um, yeah. His favourite is the bluffing arcane bit and I I'd kind of, he said it with the last time we played it, Last they played, um, it was it would be on the video actually. He said, "You know, you always tell the truth," because um, <laughs> like I say he, he thinks that I just always I never bluff. Um, and it's almost like, that, like I've kind of I don't think I necessarily did it on purpose. I don't know, but trained him to think that I'm never going to lie. And then I just got a couple of bluffs off. <laughs> I got, got, a couple, got a couple of easy ones off. Just like, oh yeah, it's, it's a green too. And it's like, yeah, you, but you never lie, so you have, and it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so some people are great. I was playing a guy this week in my local game store, and he um, he basically so overegged his card. I was like, oh, he's obviously trying to make me think that you know it's a bluff. Um, 
Uh, but he was he was double bluffing basically. So yeah, you can you can do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's tricky, difficult, isn't it? Because because you, you you kind of want to read them, but then if you if said yeah yeah, I, so I thought I was reading him, but actually he he was you know two steps ahead, and it ended up punishing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, cool. And obviously she's got um like uh like Tito, she's got can't hit me as well. Although she's only got two melee, so. Yeah, she's only got two. So you, you, I mean, she's definitely a person. If you had to activate her early on, if you needed to heal someone, want to leave that extra energy on her, yeah. So that she two more cards and hopefully get can't hit me. Yeah, um, I, I think I would always keep that one energy on her for the can't hit me because it, it if if it looks like there's any chance of her being in danger, if she's really far back on the board maybe not worry about it but if you've come forward to do a fizzle pop which i do recommend by the way um yeah. then um definitely worth saving some energy because you because she's all of her abilities cost two so this yeah. is about fizzle pop and healing cost two so yeah. so kind of saving three energy would be excessive much, i think yeah but saving one for the uh, attempt at um, drawing extra cards so they can't hit me could be really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and Dizzy Spell, basically, it's like a less good version of Gradox Forgetfulness, but yeah. Gradox Forgetfulness is amazing. So um, you shouldn't overlook Dizzy Spell either because sometimes if, if, if your opponent is giving you grief with a certain ability and you're like, oh, I don't know how to deal with it. Sometimes it's very easy to forget that Freya can just activate and stop them doing it. Yeah. Well, she she could make Radok forget forget. She could make Radok forget forgetfulness, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. I think that's Freya done. We'll move on to the next one then, um, which is he. This one's my my second favorite fairy after Diana, um, which is Wasp. Yeah. Uh, and we, we we talked about him a bit before, um, obviously earlier on. So I don't think we need to talk about him quite maybe quite as much. But yeah, he he is as you said, he is the tank of fairies. Melee five, uh, two inch melee. It's spiteful as well. Um, additional yeah. damage on piercing, plus a brutal signature move. I mean, he there was a game. Um, Again, I think we recorded. I can't remember. I think we recorded. Um, I was playing against his Jack's gnomes, and Wasp. I think single-handedly killed four gnomes because um, yeah, he bunched them, them all up. Bunched them all up in the middle where they want to be, and then he just put himself so that everyone was within his melee zone, but he wasn't engaged by anyone else. And then he literally just did an attack on one person, two another person, and killed them. He 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 killed two gnomes in one activation. And then I started first the next turn and killed someone else straight away. Um, oh, yeah, but that's that's impressive. I mean, he's... I mean that, that that was particularly, and I got a good card, and I think it was particularly good. Um, but it did just because he was trying to hit me, and he's just like, "Oh, but you've got a Buckler, so I've kind of got one card." <laughs> it's like, yeah, and mine's a high guard, so. And, and having that signature move on the high guard, it's, it's something very easy to overlook when you're first looking over fairies and thinking, what can these guys do? But it means that he does a crazy amount of damage, like against a falling swing or a sweeping cut, he's doing four damage, I think. Yeah. Minus one for his weakling, but plus two from his 
javelin if you choose yeah this is plus yeah yeah because the diving attack is a piercing so he's doing four damage but only receiving the damage that a high guard would even a rising attack against the high guard doesn't do that much damage so yeah yeah so you know it's great and yeah you can always so go on go on you can always you know as with most other uh characters you can always trip people out because there is a defense against his high guard which is a high guard being played in response to it yeah so once you've trained your opponent to think oh he always does diving attacks it's gonna you know i'll play a high guard you can you know change it up and do a rising attack this time which can gain his plus two damage to piercing. So, but you're going to probably four times, um, you know, three times out of four, you're going to want to probably do that uh, diving attack, the high guard signature move, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, he is mainly about that, that really about combat, but I have used raids before. I used to, um, I used it on Diana, actually. Uh, then so I think she... She could then pick up a moonstone. It was like a, a four moonstone. She could pick it up um, with all her energy. Um, I don't use raids too much. I mean, that's that's how I tend to use it as well. Obviously, you can use it to uh, make one of your other fairies a better melee character, but I tend to find it's a lot more useful to um, use that ability to make one of your fairies a better harvester. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna have to just shuffle over. I need to get me up. I um, hope this doesn't mess up. No. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really. Yeah, it's it's for the moon. Well, because it's either him he's giving it to himself to, which I kind of think. Well, if I'm gonna, it's a bit of a waste making him slightly better in combat. Yeah. Or the only other combat one is obviously fence that we talked about, and and she's got yeah ability that gets rid of weakling anyway. So. It really is more about um, picking up moonstones, um, which yeah, is, 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 is just as useful because, as we said at the beginning, that's the aim of the game. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I'll, I'll quite often use rage as you know, because what you know, he's normally out of range on turn one for anything else. So I normally use rage on turn one to allow one of the other fairies to pick up a moonstone. Um, yeah, and if you stick it on. Uh, if you stick it on Tito, she can probably pick up two in turn one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There is, there is that. Absolutely. Um, or, 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 or it means she can pick up a one that's like a four um, yeah. in turn one without having to use it in two, uh, do it in two turns. Um, but yeah, I think he's, he's to a certain extent, one of the easiest fairies to use um, because you don't have to worry so much about him getting either isolated i mean he'll still he'll still die if you're not careful but um another thing to weak to to bear in mind is you can always javelin even if you're in melee with someone you can always just throw javelins at them you're less likely you do less damage than if you do a melee attack but you're you're safe yeah i've done that before myself when he's I've been in combat and actually he's lost a few wounds. I thought, I don't really want to risk another attack. And I'm yeah. just going to javelin you instead and just do two damage. Great. But at least I've done two damage and not having any in return. Um, so I have but, done that before myself as well. One of my favourite ever Wasp moments was I got him up to 15 energy. 
yeah. with silver tongues whispered secrets and i just happened to have you know the perfect hand and kept being called bluff 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 over and over and over when i i just had all of the pinks got up to 15 energy so i could throw um seven javelins <laughs> oh that's horrible yeah, yeah. and just basically murdered fritz who was nearby <laughs> and oh. threw a few javelins at other people as well that's great god that's horrible cool i think we'll wait to mosey on a little bit through these fairies so we'll talk about those so um next one actually is one that i'm gonna let you talk about more because i haven't used it very much um which is butterfingers yeah um, i he, he's probably one of the ones that i drop out of my fairy lists most often as well um which is a shame um, because he's got some really cool abilities. Um, he's got Fizzle Pop, just like Freya, and because you're not going to worry about uh, saving him for healing, you can use his Fizzle Pop a lot more often. And I think the two of them together, both Fizzle Popping away, is great. Yeah. Um, target Gains Weakling is one of those clumsy cuts. Is uh, I've used it to soften up a opponent for you know like a melee character like Baron von Vancia or something but it's also really good if you can see that they're planning on picking up a moonstone and you can you can basically deny them that by making them a weakling so that it's too difficult for them to dig up and then Butterfingers which is obviously his like namesake ability um one of the things about it is that it makes a lot of the upcoming abilities, like Kalfman's ability, you that interact with Moonstones, you take the Moonstone off them, so you transfer possession from the other character to your character. And some of the new thieves and, and, and things that we've got coming down the pipeline do that as well. The Butterfinger's ability is not quite as strong as that. They just drop the Moonstone next to them. So, yeah, but, as, but it's got longer range though. Most of those abilities are one inch range, aren't they? With his they yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but all it means is you just need to be a lot more careful about activation order. And activation order is kind of the thing with fairies. So, if you um, wait until somebody has already um, completed their activation, because uh, otherwise they'll pick it up. They'll just activate and pick up the Moonstone if you make them drop it. So you kind of want to make somebody drop a Moonstone um, after they've activated. But you then want to move in with another character like um, Wasp so that they can't pick it back up again. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the way to use it. So it's, timing is really important. The other uh, thing is it can just be really useful just to do it right at the end of you know, turn four, you know, yeah. it's a close game and it's, you know, three, three yeah. moonstones to four. You use silver tongue to put an extra, uh, energy on butterfingers and then fly butterfingers in to do his butterfingers ability twice to make two people drop a moonstone. And you've suddenly, uh, knocked them down from being a possession of four down to possession of two and win the game. Yeah. Which is good because fairies, I think can possibly struggle sometimes late game, um, so it can be a good yeah a good late turn a good late game ability. Definitely. Yeah, 
And he, he, he often can be ignored because he doesn't do huge amounts of damage. People can often not prioritise killing him. Because <laughs> um, he, he doesn't on paper look particularly scary. No. And then his, his fairy dust ability, again, it's on high guard, so it doesn't take very much damage. You know, he's, he's got melee three. Same with the others. If you save back an energy to, to bump it up to five, it's, you can almost always get his fairy dust off. It's on a high guard, so he's hardly going to be taking any damage. And then he reduces the damage by minus two. Um, yeah. So he's and then and then he makes the enemy discard two energy. So he's got a very solid defensive ability, like like a lot of the others. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Because it means if they haven't killed you with that one. There's a good chance, like especially with humans that only uh, on average have, I think, three energy. Um, if they haven't killed you and you've cut it off, they can't hit you again. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it does make him safe for that. So, so like you... like a lot of fairies, like they are very vulnerable because they don't have very many wounds and they don't have damage reduction. But between the minus two evades and all of their various signature moves that defend them in melee they are surprisingly hard to kill yeah and and with like i said with all the energy they can it's very easy for them to just back off a lot yeah. um like, like if you're five inches from them and you've got one inch melee you will not get into combat <laughs> yeah because they'll they'll just keep backing away you, you're you're moving four inches to get in melee they'll back off an inch and they've got and they've got more energy than you so they will be able to get further away um yeah, exactly. And it's normally a good trade for fairies to, you know, trade one energy with a reaction step and make the opponent spend one energy to step closer to you because you've got so much more of it. Especially if it's like their melee character and basically you're just pulling their melee character in away yeah. from everyone, um, which isn't what people want to be doing. They don't want to, you, you, you don't usually want to be isolating your melee characters. You still want them to be That's right. you know, within healing range or buffing range. So if you can tempt them forwards by gradually stepping away and they and they take the bait, then suddenly their their melee man is which again usually also don't have like magic protection is suddenly surrounded by some fairies with no energy. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely. And then you start hitting them like you say with like fizzle pop or or javelins and things and they'll go down. Um I think we'll move on again because I want to mm -hmm. get through the last two before we then have a little bit more of a general chat at the end. because we've been talking for I think almost an hour now. <laughs> yeah, I thought that might happen. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. fine. Um, so next one is, again, one of my favourite, and he is um, definitely, for me, has always been an auto-include, which is Silvertongue. Um, just because I think he is, for me, he's the most horrible fairy. He's great, isn't he? He's great. He's absolutely great, but he's definitely the most horrible one to play against. Um, <laughs> Uh, I absolutely love him. I mean, I know that Jack hates him, obviously, as the opponent. But <laughs> a card quickly, obviously, weakling is normal. Melee four is pretty, is you know, it's pretty good. And arcane five is great, and obviously the minus two is normal. Um, Fairy mischief makes him incredibly good if he's within six inches of Freya, and she's just bluffed. Yeah. That's horrible. I have, I have managed to do it before. Um, and then we'll get it wasn't the game that we recorded, I don't think he had nine energy because uh, two fairies had bluffed 
fleet, and he ended up with nine energy. Um, so he oh, that's to... savage. He can do three mind controls then. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he did do. He did three mind controls and chat quite a little bit. And <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, he's not he's not awful in combat because obviously he's got threats and promises, which is great. So damage is reduced by minus three anyway, and then you kite him again. But he's yeah. still got, he's got concealed dagger. So if you're playing, you play rising attack with him. Suddenly he's plus one damage. And that's the really cool thing because threats and promises is an upgrade for rising attack. So you can you can play your rising attack, and he's quite likely to get it off with his melee of four. And yeah. then once cards have been revealed, you can decide whether to do the damage of the rising attack, which he's at plus one for plus one piercing. Yeah. Um, or you, or you think, oh, oh, I don't like this. Then you, then you do the threats and promises. It's kind of like he's, you know, he's got the dagger like hidden behind his back, but he's trying to talk you out of it, talk you out of it, talk yeah. you out of it. And then if you want, you could just shank him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Depending on what they play. So, yeah, no, he's not bad. Like, this is the thing, like so many of the fairies it are are not that bad when you deploy their signature moves in melee. They yeah. they can get themselves out of so much trouble. Um, yeah. And then... Uh, and then my control, which is just... Um, well, it is horrible. The first time I really used it really well, and I felt really bad, um, was against was against my friend Ryan. And I did, I did tell him about the ability. I wanted to make it really clear that... Because I hate I hate winning games just because my opponent doesn't know the yeah, players well. Definitely, um, I, I I really made it clear to him how good my control was before we started, and you know he was when he'd only played a couple of games at that point. I think he either forgot or didn't you know, didn't quite tweak enough. But he basically had Fritz within melee range of Eric. Nice. <laughs> so nice. I I did my control on Fritz and killed Eric <laughs> in <laughs> one go, and he just again had like five. <laughs> I've I've seen him uh, be incredibly effective against goblins with um, seasick because seasick yeah. this three inch melee range can quite often hit a healer <laughs> behind him. Yeah. Um, at, at plus two damage, which makes people cry. <laughs> yeah. The other, I mean, it, it it is really fun for making players attack each other in combat. But the other really fun thing I did with it once is. I couldn't get in because I was really scared about Quarrel um, shooting. He was in range of Diana. And although he could be minuses, he'd already buffed him. Uh, I can't remember who is it. Is it Mama Gimbal who gives him like plus two arcane? Yeah, plus one arcane. Plus one arcane. So he, he, was, he was buffed up as well, ready, ready to fire his crossbow at someone. Um, and I couldn't get in range with Silverfang on Quarrel. But I was in range of Craddock. <laughs> <laughs> cast forgetfulness on Quarrel. Awesome. <laughs> so he was like, oh yeah, I'll be fine. And then I suddenly realised, yeah. So he couldn't fire his crossbow because I made him forget it. Um, <coughs> There's brilliant. so much devious stuff you can do with this. I like to target anyone with a like a pistol or uh, you know something like Fancy Hat because he can fire his pistol. He'll probably damage, you know, he'll do some wounds to one of his own people. Um he'll um he'll have to reload that's the other thing like if you use an ability that's once per game unless reloaded then it's used the other thing is which people often 
don't realise about mind control is you can play a catastrophe if you happen to draw one in your hand. There's nothing yeah. stopping you. You can just declare a catastrophe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and, uh, and, you and can have yeah. as well. Yeah, really good against like yeah, really scary if you like Glimlock. Yeah, I mean he doesn't yeah. get he, often. He doesn't get close enough to Flintlock because Flintlock's got and, and same with Quarrel. They've got such long ranges. He often can't pull it off, but he can easily yeah. pull it off against Fancy Hats Pistol and all of the Goblin Pirates that are coming along that have all got pistols. You know, he can make yeah. them shoot one another. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, right, then move on to the last one then, and then we'll have a bit more of a general chat about. I mean, we talked about. Oh, anyway. Before we move past Silvertongue, I just want to say about uh, Whispered Secrets. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Go because over. it's one of, in my opinion, one of the most important abilities in the whole uh, of all the abilities on all the cards. I really, the, the plus, you know, restoring one wound isn't really that great. If you're because fairies don't have very many wounds, it can be useful sometimes to restore one little wound because um, it means they'll get more energy at the start of the next turn. But being able to give extra energy to the person of your choice is always so useful. You can allow Butterfingers to do two Butterfingers, for example, or two Clumsy Clutches, or allow. Um, or allow, say, the fencer to enfeeble twice, or um, wasp to rage twice, or throw his javelin an extra time. Basically, yeah. it, it, it allows yeah. so many extra uh, doubling ups. Um, there's a cool trick that you can do. You probably won't pull it off all that often, um, but it's pretty hilarious when you do, which is to so. Fairy Mischief says, whenever a friendly fairy within six inches bluffs successfully, you may reveal this card and the character gains two energy. That includes him. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. you bluff. So if you do Whispered Secrets targeting yourself, so you're trying to give yourself X energy. Yeah. And let's say you've you've managed to draw a pink card, but you... you um, you don't use it like you put down like a green card or something and you say oh yeah yeah i got a, a pink two and they look at your hand of five and they're like oh uh, yeah you probably do have a pink two i don't want to risk giving you extra energy you can then reveal your green card he gains the two energy back that you just spent yeah plus the two energy that you declared which now yeah. puts him up to seven energy yeah and um, restores all of his wounds. Even if you just said to be really safe, if you, if you just you, you could almost do it quite sort of blase and say, "Oh, it's just a red one." Yeah. And go, yeah, you probably got a red one. He still gains three energy, so he still gets gets him back up to he'll have six energy then. Puts him on six, which means you can then do mind control twice, which is the important thing. Yeah. yeah. Setting up, so you can make that melee character hit the support character twice instead of once, which can make the difference between killing them or not. So you can't pull it off all the time because um, once people think oh, you're always bluffing, then it, it gets a bit weaker. Um, but, you know, then you might get lucky enough to, they call you bluff, you said it's a two pink, 
it is a two pink, and then you've got a pink one as well, and you can still get him up to six energy that way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Definitely. And, and the worst comes to the worst. Even if you you mess it up totally, and you do the whispered secrets, and you get nothing out of it, you've still got three energy left, so you can still do the one mind control that you were going to do anyway. So it's yeah. kind of free free opportunity to mess with your opponent's head and yeah. possibly get two mind controls off instead of one. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um right, on to the last one then. Um the last one in the book. Which which is my favorite. I can't really describe why she's my favorite character. My favorite she's my favorite character in the whole game. Um yeah. which cool. is I can't quite put my finger on why. Um, I mean, the model is fantastic. I think part of it is because the model was voted for, wasn't it? By the by it the was, battle. yeah. And it was the model I voted for, so that kind of you, you kind of almost have like a slight vested interest in it, or at least a slight. I had a slight more attachment to the model than the other ones because I'd voted for it. That um, makes sense. I mean, she's obviously a bit of a. She's obviously kind of which is the queen of the fairies, so she's that kind of. Um, she has that, that almost, and you see that in the in the model and the artwork that she's, you know, she's surrounded by the by that, that sort of rib cage thing. She's um, kind of almost like on a pedestal from the other fairies. She is, yeah, definitely. And that's kind of in the sort of fluff side of it. But I mean, I, I the only thing about, and I'll, I'll say this, this bit, I'll say at the beginning, but I would never take her personally without Rotka. Yeah, because. She's one that doesn't have as good a um, no a defensive signature. Defensive signature. So I mean, I so she's great to activate early in the turn as well. I've said a lot about wanting to save various other fairies for as late in the turn as possible, but because she's got the feed on fear, target loses X energy. And you get yeah. to redistribute it again. Back to all I was saying: one extra energy on most of the fairies makes them suddenly so much better because it allows them to do their, you know, one extra energy on silver tongue allows them to mind control twice instead of once. It it yeah. that can be really useful. And if you see someone who is threatening you, who's who's kind of holding that center ground like Fritz or something, making them lose X energy. Like it's a really strong first move of the turn. Yeah. Yes. Well, the, the, the way I've used it before is um, would much more simplistic than that to some extent. Is I did I did it on I think it was on Fritz. I and it was really really it's, it's pretty risky getting within six inches of Fritz if you're anyone. Um, I got within six inches of Fritz, cast feed on fear, got a red three, took all his energy off him, gave it all to her, and then killed him with horrifying vision three times. Savage, yeah. You know, kind of, kind of certainly kind of negated the use of feed on fear because he was dead to not use the energy in the first place. <laughs> but, but you know, I, did, I didn't know I was going to get the red three, but it then meant I could cast it three times and I just took his heaviest hits off the board. And it just meant that she was then safe because he was the only thing threatening her. Um, I don't know if he's carrying a moose to mark, I remember that was a while ago, but it's just, you know, so, someone like Fritz who's got, yeah, okay, he's got like plus one evade, so he's quite easy to hit with Arcane. But at the same time, he's got quite a lot of health. So you don't, he's not one you expect to just die. Yeah. 
Um, but it's X plus one, and if she's doing it three times, you you would expect to about seven damage is probably the average. I would have thought. So I think you could yeah, bring yeah. down. I, I don't think I, I don't think I even drew particularly good cards to be honest. I think it was just like twos, but you just do three, three, and three. Yeah, which is enough to finish him off. And um, and the other thing about her, of course, is she's got the good of the glade. So yeah, um, yeah, I rarely. I, I, I usually do horrifying visions the first time I cast it on Arcane Six. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I usually uh, yeah, at least once when I'm casting a spell with a wound a wound a fellow fairy. Um because I think no, it's worth it. I I quite often put the wound on her because um she doesn't lose an energy on her top wound. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, or I'll put it on someone like Tito because I know she can self heal. Yeah. Or even Freya's were not bad. Like in, in like you're yeah. near, near, near the end of the turn and no one else is going to need healing, you just do it on Freya because she'll just heal herself and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I do. I do like Diana a lot. I mean, she's she's best probably the best damage dealer from range they've got, isn't she? She is at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> At the moment, yeah, um, but yeah, well, I, well, the, other thing, the other thing we haven't mentioned about actually, we'll, we'll talk about her. We've mentioned like so she's weakling, it's hard to dagger again, so she's not even that bad in melee because she's doing magical damage. Um, her signature dance with the death, um, actually, as well, it does have a defensive side of it actually because she can move two inches, can't she? Um, it's not as strong as the others, no. You know, but, she. But it does mean she can do a bit of damage, possibly in return, um, if she's within range. Um, I mean, it's it's quite a flexible ability because it can either get her out of trouble with the two-inch move or uh, ensure mutual destruction if they kill her that you take them down as well. Yeah, um, but it's nowhere near as reliable as some of the other fairies can't hit me's and things like that she is the most vulnerable to melee attacks i would say yeah which is again like, yeah which is i guess why i'd always i, I always take her with gotch cut and just just stick gotch cut next to her yeah um, you know it just it means that you've got a little more confidence about pushing up out of the board and go a bit careful that she doesn't get pulled in somehow by um Something like um, Agatha or, or yeah. uh, Boom Boom McBoom. I mean, she's minus two evade, so it's going to be tricky for them. But she, I, I have had it where she's been pulled out of that gotch gut range before. Um, she didn't die, thankfully, but it, it is scary when she's suddenly isolated. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've used her quite often without gotch gut most of the time. And I just have a general acceptance that if she's going to die, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. She'll do something useful beforehand. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Um, I just remember something that we didn't mention at all so far, um, which is something that is really useful that fairies can do that no one else can do, is they can fly over stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if, she, there's, if there's a lot of water features and uh, wooded patches on your board, then that's really useful. And buildings, they're great with buildings because they can... Um, they can fly through windows and doors as part of their jog action for free, whereas everyone else is paying two energy to 
open the door they just go straight through so they they can be really good on a more densely packed terrain board the other thing is because they've mostly got quite short ranged abilities six inches if you have like a, a forested board with loads and loads of trees all over it that's gonna uh mess up some of the longer ranged attackers like uh flintlock and quarrel but it won't bother the fairies that much because they're close enough that they can they're normally going to do a jog that gives them the right angles. So yes. basically, they like they like terrain more than some yeah. of the other factions. But also, they also like it because if they're behind a nice piece of obstacle terrain, they are literally impossible to hit with arcade. Yeah. <laughs> already minus two, and if they're in that direct line through the middle of the... Yeah, middle of the minus four cards. Yeah. Only minus four. Um, so... Yeah, it means. I mean, Tito standing behind a piece of terrain is just. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we when we did the tournament recently, uh, well, it was a little while ago now, at Firestorm, we set up um, themed boards. Um, so we picked locations on the map of Torba and and designed the boards according to the locations, and one of them was a forest. Um, terrain board and it was just loads and loads of trees all over there was no like open center like you quite often I quite often set up like town center type boards with a, a courtyard in the middle or something this was just trees everywhere and everyone said it was their favorite board to play on it was really interesting and it gave loads of different tactical options and they had to think really differently about the game but I think a board like that was would definitely favour fairies. Yeah, interestingly, I did. I went obviously you were there, so I did try to do a similar thing at the tournament I ran as well. Um, try to make the boards very different. So there was one board that was very much like a town centre, one that was a forest board, and then the third one was a like village board. So that had the village one had lots of little scattered terrain. It had like like piles of logs and things. Um, whereas the forest one was all trees. It does make it for an interesting different play experience, actually, doesn't it? The different boards. Um, it does, yeah. And that's kind of going, going on the topic slightly again, but I realised that recently when I play-tested um, the mutiny scenario, um, which obviously is a one-foot-by-two-foot board, just how, diff just how different the game was on a board that was smaller. Yeah. Um, which was really interesting. I mean, it... it I mean, this is going completely off topic, but I think it's quite an interesting observation. I kind of, I kind of want to make it anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when we played that mutiny scenario, it changed the game. I mean, obviously, it's a scenario, so it's not supposed to be quite the same anyway. But um, normally, you're going getting moonstones and backing off with those those characters and bring other ones forward and things. This one was just last man standing. Um, it's just who has ever survived, because yeah. you start off with LA and stuff, just a completely different way of playing. But that's the great thing about playing the scenarios, isn't it? Is that's what they're for. I mean, I like sleepyheads because um, you quite often start, you know, right in the thick of it. You know, you're all coming out of the buildings and waking up next door to one another in doorways and in windows and things, and you get straight into the. Um, yeah, and that's what made it. Well. Yeah, and that's what made it a really fun demo game, wasn't it? Is that yeah, you started because otherwise, because turn one is obviously often a bit of just shuffling up and shuffling around and getting finding your feet where you want them to go and that can be harder for a new player whereas actually on, yeah. demo, on a demo you just want to get some melee in and you want to get some spells off because that's, that's, the, that's the, the meaty part of the game where you hook people in exactly. um, so it was good for that um, so 
talking to uh, we kind of got around off a little bit so this is touching on an hour and a half now um talking about just fairies generally as, as builds um I, when i said that like uh, i would never take diana without gotka um and like you i do like baldwin in a fairy list as well i don't like having both the big guys so if i took bold no. i probably wouldn't take diana yeah um it's fine because that's a good and and there's plenty of other choices um the only other i mean obviously you'd, you'd always take freya um because i mean and the other thing is i think you'd always take freya because obviously you could take beaky um but I think I'd always take Freya over Beaky just because I think of the way she works with other fairies. I think um, uh, she's got no super obvious synergy with fairies, but once you put your mind into that fairy mindset of having high energy and um, bit playing reactively, you, you kind of it makes sense to stick with her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think actually, I think fairies is apart from. I do find it hard to take Butterfingers, but mainly not because I dislike him, because I find it hard to drop anyone else. I yeah, mean, exactly. If only for taking just taking pure fairies, but it's like, well, I could drop Tito. Mm, I don't really want to. Um, Fencer, mm, no, I like Fencer. Freya, I have to have. Wasp is great. Silvertongue's brilliant. Oh, where's second? I've run out of people. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, that's exactly the process that I go through, and he's the one that I've dropped most often as well, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I play games where I thought I'm going to take Butterfingers because I don't take him and I need to try and use him more. Um, and it, actually, I think he's perfectly good. I don't think he's any worse than any other fairies. I think he's just, um, I don't know, he's almost harder to use in that the other fairies have not as much as like humans do, but they often have like a singular purpose. So Tito is very much go and grab some moonstones and then don't yeah. die because you can't kill her. Um, yeah. Fent is happy to slip around the sides or down the middle and just go and kill stuff because good of it Freya is your healer and fizzle popper basically um wasp again in the middle with a two-inch melee getting very angry at everyone silver tongue is just messing with everyone uh, as much as possible and diana is hitting people from range of spells whereas butterfingers almost takes a bit more tactics yeah um, and also because he kind of the Butterfingers ability, his namesake ability, is most useful right at the very end of the game. Yeah. Um, it can kind of feel like you're not quite sure what to do with him for the first few turns. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're kind of waiting for his moment to be useful. Um, yeah. Whereas the others, you don't so much have that uh, feeling. So, I, I, I mean, I feel the same. He's the one that I most often... Because I like you, I like to take a big guy with my uh, fairies. I I like uh, Boulder um, because I mean the Gotchka is great if you've got Diana. If you don't have Diana, then Boulder is definitely the better option. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't take Gotchka if I had Diana. Otherwise, I would take Boulder too. I mean the the Calcify is is so good because. You just charge him right into the middle of the board and stand in the middle of all the moonstones. Um, and anyone who comes in to try and pick up those moonstones or guard territory or do melee is now getting minus one um, energy. Yeah. Which for fairies is no big deal at all. Like you've got so much energy. If you do have to 
come into his zone. Oh, well, I've lost one energy, no big deal. Someone like Fancy Hat comes into that zone and he's down to from two energy to one. It's half his effectiveness. Yeah, well, as you kind of just said, like, and as you said at the beginning, is that fairies don't often hold ground. Yeah. So Boulder offers that that option of holding some ground in a fairy list. Yeah, um, he does. Wasp, other fairy. And if you have Wasp and him, you can kind of put them five inches apart and put them both at the middle. And then you suddenly got quite a bubble in the middle, uh, which you yeah. can hold on with a bit. Um, and, and I find it quite hard not to take Boulder now. He's become, you know, a bit of a go-to for me in the fairies. And like you said, I don't really want to have two big guys, Gotchka and Boulder. So... Yeah. yeah, well, also because I think if you take two big guys... Well, first of all, they haven't got a lot of energy, so um, both of them can find it quite difficult to actually pick up Moonstone, although they can pick them up easier than berries. If you get bad luck and all the, and all the Moonstones are threes and fours, which is a bit crap for berries anyway, Yeah, those two, I think, can make it even harder because that's not really... And, and also, if, if you have picked up a moonstone with Gotchka, then suddenly he's just going to get stuck because <laughs> he hasn't got the energy to do the steps in the first place. So he's just a bit... He, he can't really get anywhere then. Um, so I think, yeah, I think... Because in a fairy list, like you, you're, you're enjoying the fact you've got a lot of energy. So why would you kind of cripple yourself by taking two characters that haven't got any? Well, I've got yeah, very little. definitely. Uh, and they can't really boost the energy on the big guys because most of their um like silver tongues whispered secrets is target friendly fairy and diana's um feed on fear is you know it allows her to put energy on fairies so they've got no way basically of bumping them up which is as it's supposed to be because you don't want you know a, a boulder with five energy that would be horrible because the op <laughs> Um, just to finish off then, and I'll, I'll let I'll let you do this as they're your as they're yours. Obviously, is talk about some of the new fairies. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I think I said at the start of the uh, recording how every basically the the newer characters that I've created, I think, are much much more interesting. Um, and there are three new fairies. There's one. Uh, that's coming in our Kickstarter, uh, which we are doing on the 27th of March. It's only five weeks away. Um, who's part of the brand new faction that we're launching uh, called the Lesher Vault. Um, and she's a priestess. Um, and so is, then... so is she, is she, because I don't actually know this as much about this one. As I do the other two, so I'll just, I'll just. Is she still very much kind of with the other fairies, or is she? And and, and this is more like the, the background. Maybe I should be asking Richie this, but um, is she still like? Say, is she still kind of under Diana's authority, or is she very much with the cult? Good question. Um, I don't know. We haven't defined the, <laughs> the the fluff around her yet. Originally, I created her because um, because there's a big rogue theme coming up, um, and the other two fairies that we've created recently are both rogues, and there's there's a whole lot of uh, 
rogues matters uh, abilities in yeah. in the first book we most of the keywords that we trigger off are racial so target human gets plus two arcane on um quack or you know target fairy gains plus one energy on some of the fairies moving into book two we've done a lot more abilities which trigger off uh profession type keywords so target rogue gets or target soldier gets or for every soldier nearby blah 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 um target well this pirate yeah yeah which which will allow a lot more like mixed race factions to to become prevalent so this character was originally going to be a rogue um because there's there's a lot of fairy rogues and i only recently you know within the last two weeks or so thought actually uh, this new faction the lesher vaults don't have a fairy yet fairies have only got one healer they could do with another healer um so i made the change and i was, uh, I was also thinking they could do with another priestess as well so so her background hasn't been defined at this stage that's fine that's cool um but I won't go through all of their abilities because obviously they're um, they're still in progress. But I'll, I'll yeah, quick yeah. Just kind give, of... give a quick overview of them would be great. So I, mean, so... I, mean, I know them, but <laughs> yeah. else so Belladonna has got to be one of my the most fun characters to play ever. Um, she's a fairy rogue. Um, her one of the things that's incredibly cool about her is she can swap places with a friendly rogue which is um great. which is a it's, it's so great to do it's so I've, i mean we've done it in the game that we you and i played and we play tested it a bit it was it's so much fun <laughs> to just do oh, that it's one of the most fun abilities i've ever played with i've done so many yank janky shit with you know tr- um, moving her up the board and then swapping her places with the fences so the fences now you know within striking distance of someone uh, i played a game um with pacifist build uh fairy rogues versus the cleric human clerics and um with the brother daniel character that's also coming in the uh, kickstarter which is uh someone very dear to your heart i believe um yeah. teleporting people around the place and belladonna swapping um you know swapping places we there was no fighting but um kaufman was basically chasing fairies around the board trying to give them money for their moonstones and belladonna was <laughs> swapping places all the time so that he couldn't get to her it, you know yeah. it's, it's it's really interesting ability the other one that's great Acid Flask, more magical damage, short range. The other one I love is Drop of Nightshade on her, which is just awesome. So it triggers off any card. So a green makes the enemy lose energy. A blue makes them suffer wounds. But the pink, as always, because pink is kind of the colour of the occult in our arcane deck, is the one you're after. It says... So it's only got a one-inch range on this ability, and it costs three energy. But if you get a pink card, move target enemy up to four inches, uh, then you may have the target make a melee attack action controlled by you. They count as friendly during the melee attack action. So yeah. it's it's similar to Silvertongue's ability. He can do any ability that costs one energy, whereas this is only a melee attack. 
but she gets to move them four inches and then make a melee attack. Yeah. So that's really good fun. Um, Foxglove. Yeah. Well, also, do, do you want to mention the catastrophe on that as well? Oh, yeah, the catastrophe is uh, pretty yeah. extraordinary. Um, the target and this character are both slain. So yeah. you can fly her in as a kamikaze pilot and, and take someone <laughs> out, um, which is pretty cool. Or, you know, or it might be inflicted on you. But th- effectively, any card is good. A green reduces their energy. A blue does wounds to them. A pink sends them crazy and makes them run off and attack their own people. And a catastrophe kills them. Yeah. Now, she's only got Arcane 2. Um, now, a lot of the fairies, all the fairies, in fact, in um, book one, have very good stat lines. They've got very high melee and very high Arcane. And that's kind of been their thing. The two new fairies that are going to come in the blood magic box, along with Diana, when she uh, officially joins the um, the ranks, um, they've only got Arcane 2 and Arcane 3. Uh, but they've got incredibly powerful abilities. And then there's a gnome rogue called Muraday, who, um, who's the ratty one you might have seen on Facebook, who gives friendly rogues plus one arcane. So he's really useful to use in combination with these two new fairies, particularly Belladonna. Like, going up from arcane two to arcane three is really valuable. Yeah. Um, and then Foxlove, quickly, I won't go into too much detail on any of these. I'll do my best. He's He does, we mentioned earlier on in the call that Diana's the best damage dealer at the moment because she does X plus one magical damage with her horrifying visions. This guy's got atrophy and um, he withers people and he does 2X magical damage. So that's as much as Fire Spitter. Um, it's only got a six inch range and it costs three energy and he's got five energy so like so many others you want to find a way of putting one extra energy on him but if you can put that one extra energy on him so that he can do two attacks that do 2x magical damage that's that's really quite significant um, he's also got the trickster ability which I mentioned when we were talking about Freya yeah. uh, so so you can really mess with people's heads with bluffing on that uh, damage, uh, and that can be fun. And he's also got Shelter of the Shadow Glade, which is uh, several characters that are in development at the moment have got this uh, new ability called Protection, which says the next time this character would suffer damage this turn, reduce that damage to nil. Um, and he can basically put that protection onto a friendly fairy. So, cool stuff. And also, um, Diana Enraged. Um, (laughs) She's probably the most powerful character ever created for Moonstone, but you can only play with her in the one special scenario. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, she was fun. She was fun to make. She's she's awesome. I can't wait to start um, playtesting with that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... uh, the the Belladonna character um, was well, but the Diana actually started off with because the, the the three sort of fairy slash rogue um, scenarios coming in the second book. Um, originally, when I was thinking the ideas for those, it was around Diana, 
Um, and the narrative behind them is still basically Diana-based, um, in a sense that it's all about her wanting that 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 moonstone. But um, it then, you know, with with Belladonna coming in, it really helped round off those scenarios. Help it helped me when I was thinking about them to have another focus because obviously, but in in those three scenarios, Belladonna's as a character, as a named character in all of them. Yeah, I think that's and you know the the. It actually really works with the narrative for them that she can switch places with other rogues, um, which is fun. And it was fun to make a new character, Diana. In, well, not make a new character, but sort of boost Diana with Diana Enraged because um, she's horrible. <laughs> yeah, she's absolutely brilliant. So um, I, I, I don't think we should go too much into her because we're already no, no, over... No. over- no, we won't. We won't go too much into her, but just yeah, she's horrible, and I look forward to people seeing her in book two. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Cool. I think we better leave it there because that's gonna. Yeah, as we've been, it's been a great chat. It's, it's a long one. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um. Uh. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, we won't obviously hang up yet, but I'll just round off this this bit, and then you and I can have a chat again afterwards. But. Um, sure. It was really, it was really fun to talk about fairies. I freaking love fairies, <laughs> absolutely love fairies, and um, yeah, um, I hope I hope that listeners found that useful. Fairy players, particularly because they are, um, as you've said before, and I agree, they are one of the harder ones to pick up and just play. Um, so hopefully, this will be useful for people who want to want to play fairies, um, what to do and what not to do with them, um, which is kind of why why I wanted to pick. Well, I chose to do a podcast, a faction podcast on fairies first. One, because they're my favourites, but two, because they are one of the hardest to use. Um, both of us said it before that humans are very much point and click. Um, yeah. Gnomes, I think, are probably also quite tricky, but um, slightly easier than fairies in that you just clump them all together and move. I, I, um, think, I think humans are point and click, run forward, engage, see what happens. Goblins have combos that when you first discover them, you'll be like, oh my god, that's amazing, that's so powerful. Um, but then after a while, you're just you know reusing the same set pieces. Fairies are the ones you're going to have to think hard every single game, basically. I think, I think like, like with, with fairies, like uh, activation order is, is more important with fairies than it is with others. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, cool. Uh, oh. Right, well, we'll round that one off there then. Um, I hope you all enjoyed listening to that. Uh, don't know what the next podcast is going to be about. It depends if I can get Richie on the phone. If, if I can, it'll be about fluff, which is always fun to talk about as well because the fluff is great. Um, and that's episode three done. Thanks a lot for listening. Okay, this last bit is just um, after Tom's gone. I just wanted to actually thank Tom for coming on. Um, It's really good to talk to him about fairies and get his insights into playing them um, in different ways, which was great. So thanks a lot, Tom. Um, And we'll see you for the next podcast.